Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. And welcome to the latest episode of the Building PA Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are talking contract management. And as always with me, I am Chris Martin. I am the president of Atlas Marketing, and I am coming at you from the Stalwart Insurance Group studio. And joining me as the co-host and the man, the myth, the legend, John O'Brien. Hey, what's going on today, Chris? Not much. It sounded like a very serious approach from you to kick this off. I know, I know. It must be a serious topic. I I think I have to kick my shoes off and kind of relax a little bit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, as as Chris mentioned, I am John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association. Coming to you live from good old Dillsburg, and I'm stationed at the Quandol Studio. Nice. Life is good and ready for another episode here. What do we have, Chris? Very good. Well, with us today is the legal expert from Cohen Seglius, Michael Metztapotis, and we are talking contract management. But before we do so, Mike, I, I, pardon me here real quick. I want to let everybody know Michael has joined us in the past on previous episode, so you can listen to him at buildingpapodcast.com, or you can check him out on LinkedIn to learn more of his background and what legal expertise he can provide for not only you as a contractor, as someone in the industry. So, Michael. How are you today? Welcome. I'm doing pretty good, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be back joining the podcast. Good. Yeah, good. welcome we're back. glad Michael. to have you. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, uh, given that we're doing this by way of radio and, and through virtual connection, I'm actually out in our Harrisburg office. I may or may not have kicked off my shoes already uh, in the office. <laughs> you guys will never know. So, you know. That's true. The beauty of the podcast world, right? Yes. There we go. There yeah. we go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, let's talk contract management as that relates to change management in particular. And Michael, tell us, what are some of the benefits of this? Um, You know, the way I look at it, and I'll just paint a very big picture here. uh, Whenever you have a construction contract, I almost look at it like an equation. The contractor is going to do some work and an exchange is going to get some money. And those two things, when you sign the agreement, are in balance. A change then is a response to an imbalance. Usually a contractor or an owner has asked either a GC or a sub to do extra work. Well, extra work then requires extra money. Otherwise you've got an imbalance. And so the change process is a way of restoring balance to the contract and making sure that either GCs or subs uh, get all the compensation to which they are entitled both legally and more importantly for the fair value of the work that they're performing. Good answer. Good. Yeah. Good stuff there. Not, not, yourself, right? we'll see. Yeah. He's living up to that legal expert name, right? I like it. <laughs> Doing the best I can. Yeah. You are. That's great. So I'm guessing that uh, when it comes to change management, being organized is crucial. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting you you say that because some people have a personal sense of organization and, you know, what one person calls organized, another person calls disorganized, and everybody thinks it's a personal preference. It's not. Not in my world. Let me explain why. The best clients I have are super organized with their paperwork. And that makes my job a lot easier. 
Now you might say as a contractor or whatever, why do I want to make my lawyer's job easier? Simple. Okay. The easier my work is, the less work I do. And as everybody knows, lawyers, at least at our firm, bill by the hour. Less work, less billing, less money. That organization saves money in the end. There's one of the primary reasons to stay organized. There are others, of course. You know, that's funny because that is a great, you don't hear too many attorneys actually calling that out. So thank you and congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you're right. Yeah. And I see it too in our business. You know, if clients are organized in the advertising and marketing world, it does. I mean, it cuts down not only on file sharing and documentation, but it also makes the meetings more efficient and you get more done. Yeah. And that's a great point too. I was just going to say that it leaves more room, more time, more money to really get a better result, a better focus on the case. In my case, for you, a better focus on the work product that you're putting out there. So it's win-win all the way around. Yeah, I agree. With that organization, you know, what is not only the key benefit to obviously being organized, but where does that take that change management process moving forward? How can that help a contractor on the job site? Think about the process that occurs when you have a change. I think the organization sort of uh, emerges out of that. You're on a job site, you're doing a certain amount of work, whether there's a a different set of circumstances or uh, conditions that you're facing in doing the work or whether the owner is directed or the GC is directed additional work to be performed or maybe different work, which requires a greater value than the original work, whatever it is, somebody notices we're doing something different than the plans told us what to do or what we thought we were going to do going in. And so I think the first part of the process is recognizing when that happens. And it can be little and it can be subtle. And sometimes, you know, the PM or the super doesn't pick up on it right away. But when that person does, the first thing to do is to make sure that there is communication about it. So you need an organized approach. You need supers who are relaying the information to their PMs and PMs who are savvy enough to think, wait a second, that's not what the plans and specs said. I'm going to go back here and, and find out what exactly extra work is being done and then make a decision on how to handle it. So I I think the organization comes in that process. And maybe let's focus then just on the noticing of the problem. When a PM, when a super notices a problem, they should communicate that in writing to the PM. That PM should also communicate in writing to either, if it's a sub upstream to the GC or if it's a GC directly to the owner, copying the designer if you can, uh, if necessary, depending on the project. Um, But that right there, those communications and documenting things, not just relying on a phone conversation, are the first step in that organization. And just a final point too, somebody say, well, the phone is how I get things done. Of course, we all know that. But the moment you hang up that phone, then then queue up an email saying, hey, great talking to you about the complications we're encountering in installing ductwork. We're going to do a workaround. Uh, We'll get you pricing on that later. But my point is memorializing that the owner of the GC said, go find a way to fix it. Well stated there. I like the, uh, you know, the actual conversation happens and then you have to log it. I love keeping the logs. I'm, I'm very big on logs and I'm sure as a attorney, that's, that's huge for you as well. Totally. Yeah. Do you see any other, um, are there any sort of current trends out there that are helping with this process at all? Or? Oh, that's a great point. There are a number of applications that are out there that you can install on an iPad. You know, some of the supers that I talked to and some of the PMs, that's that person's most important tool. Even as well in my OSHA practice, and I'm getting a little outside this here, but 
when site superintendents or site uh, safety managers, excuse me, when safety managers walk the site, they're documenting things on an iPad. There are all kinds of applications that are out there that will allow you to document and then communicate, whether it's by email or if it happens to be text, you find a way to record it. So that's the first part of the process. There are other organizational methods as, as you go through the, the change order process. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome for the apps because of the dating, you know, it dates it and it shares it easily with everyone. So uh, kind of loops everyone in the whole uh, communication process. Oh, yeah. I was kind of vague about what exactly these apps are. It can run the oh, gamut yeah. from what I've seen. My best recommendation is go out there and Google it and figure out what you have, figure out what works best for you. But you're right, John, on some projects, they even have a, a shared document management system where all the stakeholders are involved in that. And those, again, can save your lawyer a lot of money because you just give that person access to the database and, and the work is done. I, I like what you said about apps and communicating, documenting the whole process. I, I, I admit I'm recapping what you just said, but can you talk a little bit more about that? the advantage a contractor would take as it relates to the life I guess, life expectancy of a project and how apps can actually benefit and the documentation process can actually benefit, you know, the legal proceedings should they get to that point. Hopefully they don't, but you you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I've seen it all the time. I've been involved in some cases where a lot of the communications were oral and it's very hard to recreate what happened years after the fact. It's much better that the communications are in writing. The more, the better. Because, you know, some writings can be misinterpreted. So the more writings you have, the more uh, context you give for what's going on. And and let me just say, too, that, you know, sort of the next part of that process of a a change order process is going to be, you know, recognizing that there's a problem. Now, I I mentioned in that first communication that perhaps you got direction from the owner. We all know that that may not be the case. And sometimes you just have to make a request either for information or request as to what to do. When you get that direction from the owner, the GC, then we all know you follow it up with your change order request uh, asking for uh, the compensation for doing that extra work. And I said compensation. I didn't say money. And there's a reason for that. You need to ask for two things. Money. And I know you guys know the second thing, right? The one thing that money can't buy. Time. Yep. <laughs> got to ask for that time. Because I've seen it all too often. A change order request comes in. There's no request for an extension of time. And so on the one hand, the contractor is asking for more money. And then the GC of the owner pushes back and says, ah, but aha, you were late. I'm going to deduct liquidated damages. And so all of a sudden you're back to being out of balance. Back to what I said. So uh, that I think is just, you know, a surface level view of the process. You're right, Chris, to take it through the lifeblood of a project. I mean, there's many more details that can be involved about that. But yeah, overview as it is. Staying organized, documenting everything is, is certainly um, some of the basic points. The other thing, too, and I know I've gone on a little bit here, is how you document things. Very often I will have clients contact me while a project's ongoing, and I will offer insight and even sort of a proposed draft of an email that somebody then can cite, uh, sorry, send. My name's not attached to it. There's no lawyering up. No one gets afraid by that. But by sort of putting out the communications that we want to see in the litigation or a process down the road in advance, I think positions people very well. And so when you are in consultation with counsel, those are very, very short communications. They don't cost much money and they often are three figure charges and they have a five figure savings. Yeah. You know, 
First off, I want to I want to just do a little bit of housekeeping real quick and say thank you for listening to the Building PA podcast. We're talking with Michael Metz Depotis of Coenseglius, and and I, I also Michael, you, you're being very humble. You know, you, you've <laughs> taken some pot shots at yourself as an attorney, so thank you for that. But at the same time. You know, please don't feel like you have to beat yourself up because <laughs> you, you are helping people like yeah. you just said. And that was a perfect segue, you know, a three three figure cost to a five or six figure savings. And the information that you've given us so far is going to help people save money. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the intent. So I, I just want you to, you know, we recognize that even you know, as a marketer, you get this bad thing like, oh, my God, it's going to cost so much money. But in the long run, you're going to save money. So I don't want you to feel like yeah. we're going to pile on and, and, and beat up on all attorneys. Either. <laughs> pile it on because you know what? In the long run, just like you said, uh, Chris, it's about an investment up front for a long-term payout. And that's the goal of our representation. Absolutely. At all times. Yeah. yeah. And I liked how you said that. You know, the, the I'm going to say it again. Three-figure costs for five to six-figure savings. I, nice. I think I'm going to steal that from you. Nice. <laughs> you're not six, but with five, I can get yeah. you. Okay. That's good. That's fair. That's good. So Chris throws in marketing from time to time, but I could actually see and kind of present this in a way where it helps in business development. Now, if you're a well-organized, good communicator, good documentation, good documented uh, company, you know, and you could work with your attorneys well during this whole claim management process. That's the firms you want to work in. I mean, there's enough lawsuits already in this industry and enough garbage already out there. It's it's like if you can navigate smoothly through this process with the help of your legal assistants. That's a great point, John. And I think especially as you probably witnessed firsthand in your work with KCA, we're a, a sizable organization, but we're not huge. And even if we were, we're an organization. And what, what I like about going to KCA events is that everybody there sort of uh, might have their own interests, but they also realize we all play in the same sandbox. And that means that there has to be a healthy amount of cooperation and claims and changes and change orders and requesting extra money and requesting extra time sometimes can seem like it runs counter to that. And what I encourage people out there in the industry to realize is that you can stand up for yourself and still play nice in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. And the way you do that is by having an organized process so that you don't have to throw a fit about money or cost or claims. You can just say, look, I've documented everything. It's all right there on paper. And the other thing that can be done is to invoke this notion of fairness, to say we all go to KCA, we all get along. And and if you value this relationship, then I need to be treated more fairly because, like I said, my equation's out of balance. And I'm just trying to get back to a balance that we can all live with. And I've often uh, advised clients in that. Listen, the easiest case to win is the one you don't have to have. So that's where we come from in terms of how to advise clients. So, John, yeah, it all circles back to your point that you, you, you do want to get out of the legalese because it's a small community. Yep. And in the end of the day, you know, if we all think clearly and deeply about what we're doing and how to treat each other fairly, you can get that result. Sometimes people just need a reminder. And that's sort of where I come in is to offer different thoughts uh, and a reminder about how to keep that equation balanced. Yep. Kind of like the claims management coach. You're the coach to come in. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that'll work. There you go. That'll work. That's, that's that's a good way. Hey, listen, I used to be a coach. There you go. Don't tell me to start talking. So there we go. Podcast. There we go. For the record, John's a coach. He's the the head football coach. 
in Dillsburg, right? Yeah, youth football. Right. Youth. So there we go. There you go. You know, we, we got go. coaches yeah. abound. Let me grab That's my good. whistle. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael, let me ask you this. How can companies or format their contract in the beginning to help them get through this potential quagmire, if you will, or landmine? You know, how, how can how can contracts be formed from the very beginning to set things up so that you avoid these challenges? That's a great question. In the change process, at least, and look, there are all kinds of provisions. I could we could have a whole other podcast on contract provisions. <laughs> but in the change process, it's just what is the process? What is the notice period? Is it reasonable? What are the requirements to put in a change order request and get it approved? What is the scope or what are the items for which change requests will be granted? Usually it's going to be any kind of uh, request for extra compensation in time. What are the triggers for gaining additional time? Um, those are just some of the provisions that we can name. The, the, the thing there, too, Chris, is that I think in, what I hear in your question is that, is there a way to negotiate those terms? Sometimes there isn't. You know, I know that there are quite a number of companies, especially in KCA, that do a lot of work for Penn State, and it's a very valuable relationship. And, you know, uh, there might not always be the opportunity to negotiate every detail of those agreements. And so sometimes you're just going to have to take the agreements you're given. On public work as well, there's, there's very little, if any, room, as we know, for, for negotiation. But be that as it may, what we often do with our services is take that agreement and identify the things you do and do not need to worry about. And that can vary depending upon where the project is. I'll give you one silly example. We all know the contracts have a notice period uh, for claims, for example. If there is something that occurs in the project for which you're entitled to extra compensation, you have to provide notice of that claim within a certain number of days from which the condition or the, the demand for extra money became apparent or that it was noticed. Sorry, there's a lot of legalese, I know, but I tried to speak quickly over it. The point is you got 10 days. In Pennsylvania, if you miss that deadline, that doesn't necessarily mean that the claim is lost. You need to then also, as, as somebody receiving the claim, show that by the subcontractor or GC missing that deadline, there was prejudice. There was harm to the person getting the late notice. If you can't show that prejudice, then you can't defeat the change order request or the claim uh, for lack of notice. In Virginia, it's a much different story. In ten, if you miss ten day, the 10-day deadline and it says if you miss this deadline, your claim is lost, the claim is lost. And that's the way it is. So you'll have different interpretations. It is that jurisdictional knowledge, too, that informs what we sort of help clients in our contract review process. But you're right, Chris, though, speaking big picture now, claims and, and any kind of change management is really a three-step process. It is the contract going in, the day-to-day -day business counseling on how to work with that agreement, and then finally, you know, when you do have a claim or a dispute at the end of a project, uh, how you uh, harness those two prior steps and if necessary, you know, proceed to some sort of dispute resolution process. And by that, I mean a lawsuit or an arbitration, or if you're, if you're fortunate, a successful mediation. Yeah. And, and I can see if you do number one, you know, setting up the contract, if you do that with, you, you know, someone like you or, you know, a, a legal, have legal look at number one, I could see number two and three being a lot lesser and probably more advantageous for the contractor to Make sure they got all the, the T's crossed and, and the I's dotted and everything. and Because um, that way you, you're making all the deadlines. Yes, and right back to our point, that investment in the beginning has a payoff at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, reduces cost. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Michael, thank you for joining us today. This has been very, very informative, very helpful. I, I, again, like I said, I'm going to steal that, you know, <laughs> short investment up front for cost savings or, or results in the bat in the end. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for making time. I know you're busy. So thanks. Well, no, I, I, hey, always happy to make time for KCA and for uh, for the Building Pennsylvania podcast series. This is just an awesome series. So much fun to do. So, certainly, as always, have, have a great time talking about agreements and contracts and, and all that other good stuff. You reminded me, Chris, though, that, that this, yes, you know, three three figure cost for a five figure savings. I'm have to put that on my firm's uh, uh, bio page for myself <laughs> as like my motto. There you go. Uh, there you go. Getting to put that in there. Uh, but that's another resource, uh, you know, if those want to learn more about my practice and also the work that my firm does. Uh, go to coenseglius.com. It is radio. I'm going to do a plug. Yep. Coenseglius.com. Yeah, uh, look at our people section. I'm there. Uh, Michael Metzotis in the M's, uh, outlining you know my experience, my background, my practice uh, focuses uh, as well. I'm also on LinkedIn. I try to stay active with it. Just like what you said, John, the marketing. It's all yep. about uh, that constant organized communication while managing the day-to-day disruptions that we all have. And the final thing I'll say about the podcast is that because this is radio-like. Uh, you mentioned, Chris, that I'm busy. I'm believing on I'm heading out to another marketing event. It's a Christmas event. So unfortunately, in the, because of the radio, you're not seeing that, that I am wearing a red and green tie. Nice. A slightly <laughs> totally in the festive Christmas spirit. And, uh, you know, that that unfortunately is missed on radio. But uh, uh, perhaps you know, if, I, if you see out about a holiday event, I'll, I'll have it on again. And, the, and our listeners can get the full picture of what this what this presentation yeah. discussion was like uh, as we approach what I hope will be a successful and joyous holiday season for you guys and everybody else out there listening. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and thank you guys for having me. I just want to close real quickly to say, Michael, uh, thanks for your membership to the KCA. It's always great to have active members and, and especially during the yeah. COVID times, you know, you're always helping out with uh, different different Zoom events and always stepping up to uh, voice voice concerns and, and provide uh, solutions to issues. And uh, glad to glad to have you as a member. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, John. Honored to be a member. Great organization. You, you Chris, Seth, everybody does a fantastic job. And uh, KCA events are guaranteed fun. I, I will say that. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. And visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.